bootstrap web. Here we go, Jordan. Back on it. How we doing? Doing well. I'm excited for the daddy daughter dance tonight. Taking my three girls. Oh, you have that? Yeah. My, oh, yeah. you know, my kid, my older one is not into that. It's just <laughs> not into the girly girl stuff. My younger one will definitely be into that once it's her year. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going. All three girls putting on a suit and tie. They love when I get dressed because I never get oh, dressed. That's great. Um, so that's that's the highlight of my day. The other highlight of my day is that it's a nice normal day after yesterday was so intense that by the end of the day I did a Zoom call with uh, someone internally at the end of the day and my eyes looked shot. It's like the stress and pressure had just made its way to my face. And I was like, I think I gotta, I gotta just hang up and and go have a beer and cook and put on some music or so- something. Yeah, that's definitely been me at the end of every single day this week. And I'm pretty excited to finish this week because this weekend we have a, a long weekend with the kids and we're gonna do another ski weekend. Although the conditions are horrible, but that's doesn't matter. All, all we need is the bunny hill. So nice, <laughs> nice. Well, I got I got my birthday on Sunday. Oh, yeah. And of course, it's a a little bit of a joke inside the family right now. Of course, what are we doing for my birthday? We're going skiing. Anyone who listens to this (laughs) podcast. Your favorite thing to do. (laughs) I'm like, honey, I just want to state for the record that this would never happen if it was reversed. (laughs) This is basically going to be like the worst birthday ever. (laughs) Well, look, what I found out is that the family that we're going with, the husband in that family also hates skiing. So he and I... We got a beer date. <laughs> this is going to get fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, hon, you asked for it. <laughs> and it's my birthday, so you, you can't say anything. <laughs> so let me ask you, how does that pressure, the long day stress, how does that like manifest itself? Is that anxiety? Is it anger? Is it impatience? Or is it all the above? Yeah. Uh, yes, to all the <laughs> And what I feel bad about is that well, okay, because it spills over into my home life and it happens around dinner time because that's my cutoff. We talked a couple of weeks back, our episode on like our daily routines. You kind of have a nighttime working session. Like I don't do that generally unless it's like super late night. But my thing is like dinner time is cutoff time. And the thing that is almost always the thing that triggers me and puts me in a horrible mood is when I'm like right in the middle of something or like I'm on the 10 yard line and, and, and it's close to being shipped, but I need another 20 minutes to, to really finish it up, but I don't have 20 minutes. So I have to just end it here. That just some wire in my brain just goes haywire when, when that happens. Like when I have to finish the day and I just did not ship the thing that I intended to ship. Mm-hmm. Is that real or is that perceived? Like, is it just like, is it really about that task right then that you would have finished it in, in, in 20 more minutes? Or is it just like some dissatisfaction? Like, oh, I didn't want, I didn't get done today what I want to get done. And, and now I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all of that because it probably costs an extra day in terms of shipping, whatever we needed to ship. And, and when I say shipping it, sometimes that means a feature. Sometimes that means getting back to a contractor that I'm working with and now they're waiting for me or, or my teammate is waiting for me or, or some marketing thing is going to have to wait. Like it's stuff like that. And, and, you know, it's never like, the thing I was working on in the moment took longer. It's always because of something earlier in the day, like delayed me, right? So like this past week, what what is really putting me in a bad mood is that like I started every day, like every morning with unexpected distractions in my inbox. And I hate that. So it threw off your plans. 
Yeah. You know, cause I'm, I'm all about the morning and that's when I, you know, after my workout, after the kids are off to school, I'm like really psyched up to like get into whatever the big important project is and really get it going like in the morning yeah. and in my best hours. Yeah. You're an eat the frog guy. You, you do the, the big thing first. I'm all about it. But this week, like literally every single day this week, like five days in a row, every morning, it was like, we've got these bugs that we have to fix. And now I'm getting like into the weeds and I'm spending hours in the morning just fixing bugs that I was not planning on fixing. And that moves aside whatever your priority. Yeah, that or, you know, a couple of customers had some issues that I had. Like I'm the customer support person. You know, sometimes customer emails and stuff like I can push into the afternoon. That's usually not a big deal. But some of these were like related to bugs that we shipped the day before. So it's like hot fixes that we have to get out. And then, you know, a couple like home stuff, like, you know, we had to like cancel the landscaping company and like, I have to call them up and wait on hold like Deal. during business hours, like just <laughs> crap like worst. that, that it's like, that's, that's the worst. So now when, when you're done and you're in that place, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not satisfied with the day and I got to go tomorrow, whatever. Do you just get up from that chair and like walk into the kitchen? And then you're in family mode. Like there's no. Yeah. It's super unhealthy, but that's essentially what happens. So, yeah, yeah. No, no passport check, no line, no, no in between. No, I, I wish I had the discipline to have a decompression time, like half an hour, an hour, get a beer, you know, really disconnect and then settle into dinner. The reality is I'm just pushing, you know, I put in the hours to, you know, just get as much done during the day before dinner as, as I can, because once, once I get into dinner, like I don't want to work the rest of the night at all. I want to Netflix and hang out with the kids and yes. that's it, you know? Now I'm not like trying to be like overly personal here. When I do that, I have a cooking phase in between. Yeah. yeah. You cook. So for, I, for I don't me, really that's that. my, that yeah. is my decompression. I have a, like a very girly drink. I have like a high noon because I don't want, I don't want a beer because it makes me tired. I have like, you know, some like small ranch water, something that's low alcohol. I actually stopped getting beer at home. So that, and that's been pretty good health. Yeah. So, good for yeah. you. But I don't listen to a podcast. I put music on and, and that for me is my transition. I can't imagine going from where I am in the office, the end of the day, and then sitting down at a table that I, I really couldn't do. I couldn't do. Cause then, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the wrong place. It's not that bad for me. Most days. Like I think honestly, like most days I'm pretty good at like timing the project that I'm working on so that like I'm done with it shortly before dinner and I can just wind it up, close it down and I'm good. But, you know, some some days it's just like these distractions come up and I couldn't get it done. I've been playing tennis one night a week and also taking my daughter to her basketball practice one night a week. So, like, those are things that, like, out. I have to get in the car and go and, and yeah, that's at a certain time. So, like, that's going to force me out, you know. Yeah. I even find myself in the car. I have to remember to concentrate. If I go from work to that, it's the same thing. You know, when if I sit down at a table and I have a, a, a meal, have dinner with the fam – it's just what's going on in my head. It's purely psychological, and I don't like the feeling of feeling split between here I am physically, but in my head I'm in a totally different place, and it's and it's still running. You know, the engine's still spinning at high RPMs. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, I, I get into that too, and, and my wife totally knows it. Like, yes, yeah, like she'll, like, she'll be like, yeah, well, you're you might be here physically. <laughs> you are not here mentally, right? Yeah. Now. 
Uh, then, right. Then you feel guilty and then immediately that guilt is like resentment, resentment toward your partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, you know, actually one of the things I wanted to talk about here sort of related to all this is like, as I said, like earlier in the day, especially this week, I've been getting these distractions, like small bugs cropping up or customer requests, you know, stuff like that, where it's like right now we are in the middle of really, really big, important pushes on the product on marketing and positioning and like I'm doing everything I possibly can to like get us to certain milestones in rolling out some pretty big announcements that are coming up but it takes a lot of work internally to prepare this stuff and we're in the middle of it and frankly the thing that the business needs most is that is like getting to those milestones you know like the hardest thing in business is prioritizing I think and it's pretty clear what the priorities are but at the same time, these daily things come up where it's like, those kind of are important too. I don't know if I have the solution, but like it's a real big challenge to like stay focused on the goal while also dealing with customer issues, bugs. Like the, these are like show stopping, but like we have to put, it, put out a fix and I have to work with my developers on it. Mm -hmm. that, that's like the superhuman part of it where you're like, oh, so you don't really have a choice. You just have to do both and find a way and push hard enough. I look at the customer's inbound requests and I try to mentally bucket them, like especially on like who the customer is. Like obviously I wanna do my best to serve every single customer and, and provide a great service, but I know exactly which customers are our best ideal customer in terms of like what they do and the use case for our product. And then there's other customers who you know, they might run into small bugs and I can tell it's like not a, not the end of the world for them. Right, they're just letting you know. Yeah, they're just letting me know. But there are some, especially coaches, who we're literally working on making the best possible solution for them. So when they come in with, oh, there's a gap here or how do I achieve this result for my coaching customers with the product or my coaching client had this complaint about, about their experience. Like these are all things that are directly related to exactly like I, I do want to hear that sort of feedback as, as painful as it is and maybe as distracting as it is, like it's still really important for me to be in that loop. So it's that sort of thing that jumps the line. Yeah, it jumps right to the, to the top of the line. Sometimes it sort of impacts like shifting the order of what we build next. There's like bigger items that are still kind of set in the, in the roadmap, but it's like an emotional cycle, circular thing where it's like, it might be painful to hear about a, a bug or a customer's failing use case, but at the same time, that's really helpful for us. Or it might be painful to see a churn come in, but at the same time, like that helps confirm that the, the use case was wrong for that customer. So it's like data that's like good and bad at the same time. And it's just, it's such a mental game trying to stay focused on like, okay, that kind of sucks for the graph right now, but there's useful information to take out of this and put it to work, you know? Yeah. So a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. The, the other night I like, you know, do the whole thing, work, dinner, put the kids to bed, this, there's some, some sports and some arguing in there. And then finally like get in bed. We've been getting in bed earlier. We used to like go watch TV somewhere. We put a TV in our bedroom and just get in bed earlier. And my wife falls asleep like immediately, which well, is we good. Can't, we can't do the, the TV in the bedroom. We, 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 
We've never done it. We haven't done it in, in a decade. And we're just trying to kind of experimenting with it. It's good. It forces you to go to bed earlier. I actually, like when we're in a hotel, like I'm like, ooh, it's this such is a fun. Trip. There's, yeah. there's a TV in here. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I got in bed and, and I just, I take deep breaths. It's one of my things. It's like, it helps like regulate stress, I guess, because I do it, I do it regularly. So my wife was like, are you okay? <laughs> you know? <Get> in bed. <laughs> and I was like, I think what this next phase is going to require is just a very high level of energy sustained for a long period of time. That's just what this is going to require. There is no chill back. There's no, well, this team is doing this and they got this and I'm like, no, it's just full on intensity for a sustained period of time, it feels like the, that it's just the only way it's going to happen, right? Because in some ways, it's really just two options. It's either intensity or more time. And I'm not giving up my weekends with my family to work. And so while at work, just the intensity has gone up. Do you mean intensity for you personally or for like you and the team? There is a direct correlation between the intensity and focus that I personally bring to work every day and the speed at which things happen and unfold. That's just a fact. Maybe it's partly like psychological that it feels that way, but it is just true. When I'm just really engaged, things things unfold faster because, you know, I get the privilege of like this few steps removed perspective. And so I can kind of watch and be like, okay, so this was supposed to happen. We've planned on this happening. It hasn't happened yet. I'm going to basically like push, right? An example is, and, and this is not me taking credit for it happening. It's me assisting people and getting some stuff out of their way. And I'm doing that by saying, hey, this is the most important thing to me. That means you have permission, put other stuff aside. That's really all. That's really all it's doing. It's not like oh, I, I'm making it happen. That's actually not the case at all in terms of the, the work that unfolds. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear about this because I've been I've been literally struggling with this this week about communicating with my team. So like, yeah, how do you? What's your okay. example? Let's look at an example. An example is this board meeting I keep talking about. Right, one of the things is like this renewed energy and focus on go to market. Basically, an emphasis on that more so than than product and engineering right now. Like the product is there. It is working. It's processing millions of dollars, no issues. And people aren't churning out. Like, cool. That basically tells you, just go get more customers. Stop complaining. Stop, you know, just go get more customers. And that's basically what the board meeting like conclusion was. Like, great, nice job. Everything awesome. Go get more customers. So we are challenging ourselves to be faster on experiments. We are relatively slow on product and engineering because the nature of a checkout product needs you to be careful. So that's like, you know, we give a lot of room for Jessica to basically be like, you are not touching my sprint. You get right in the back of the line and I'm not messing things up with the engineers because this is how I run my team. And we're like, respect, because whatever, it works. So who's going to argue with that? On the marketing side, we have to be able to challenge ourselves to be faster. So one of the experiments that we want to run is what happens when we lower the hurdle to seeing the product. Right now, if you go to our site, it's request a demo. Request a demo isn't just a button in a process. It is communicating a particular like mindset, 
like, if you want to talk to us, you're going to have to jump into our sales process, talk to us, then get pricing, then see the product. Then, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, different. it's like you better really want it. <laughs> that's, that's right. And that's what our biggest competitor does also. So we're thinking to ourselves, all right, let's run a free trial experiment. What happens when we change the CTA to get started, you know, start a free trial. And then we're, and then. So you just opened up free trials for like self-serve? Okay, so here's the thing. We don't want to open up self-serve. Self-serve requires a lot of decisions to be made and a lot of engineering and a lot of design, a lot of UI, all the stuff. So when I bring that to the exec team, right, Rock and Jess, I think rightfully challenge me and say, cool story, bro. Give us some proof on why we should do that over the other 18 things that you told us over the last week are very important. So I say, okay, cool. I totally understand. What experiment do we need to run so that we get the information on whether or not we should build out self-serve? You know, like we're never going to do self-serve that people just launch on their own. I mean, maybe in the future, but that's no time soon because we learned our lesson with Cardhook. When people just run through it and launch, they get into trouble and then they get upset. Not smart. But we can do a free trial all the way to the point where you're fully set up and then we check things to make sure everything's cool before you launch. So great. That's our, that's our version of a free trial and self-serve. So... That requires some work. It so you want to like show them like clicks and like yes. there are these leads like waiting at the door. You know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's basically what happens when you open up that part of the funnel, right? It's not the very top of the funnel. It's a middle part of the funnel, and people are on the site and they're interested. It also matters in sales when you call someone and say, "Hey." That email I sent you a few days ago, I saw that you opened it. Are you interested in this thing? If you want. I can get you a free trial is an easier sell than would you like to jump on a 30 minute demo with me next week? It's just an easy. Okay. So it's, it has impact all over the place. So that still requires work. It requires changes on the site. That's relatively easy, but then it also, you need to respect the user. You can't just be like, click a free trial. Here's a username password. And then like, you don't go anywhere. You have to do something. You have to either get account creation, you know, email and password, how do they create the their account now? Right now we created for them. So they're on a call with someone on your team and your team yeah. goes and into this, the system. Yeah, and, yeah. And they say, this looks account. good. I'm interested. Let's do it. And then we like, you guys don't have like an account signup form that is not public to users, but like your team uses it, but like you could just make that page semi-public. You can't do that. Uh, I mean, we can. It's just, it's just a question of should we? Yeah, right. So, I mean, look, this, this stuff is... This is a solved problem. It's not difficult to, to do account creation. But once someone gets into the account, cool, you let them in on their own. What are they seeing? <laughs> right, yeah. It's like the onboarding flow. And all yes, that. right now our onboarding flow is great for a guided onboarding on a call. And that's how, that's how we've done it with this first, you know, cohort of merchants. Great. All right, so, so there's still some stuff to do. And like, can we put an in-app message? Can we send a video? Like, so there's stuff to do. Everyone's busy and everyone that we've already asked to work on a hundred other things. And so this week was like, let's do this free trial thing. And then it was like, pull in the people that are required and then start making all those decisions. Okay. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And then, you know, early next week, we're going to be able to, to release that and then start to measure. That's a, an experiment that if I push on it every day, it'll happen faster. Because it gives the person permission. Oh, yes, of course I can push aside my thing because Jordan wants to talk on a Zoom call for 30 minutes. 
And that's my priority. If boss wants to jump on a Zoom call to move something forward, cool. I don't care what I have going on. As long as it's not like a customer facing call, then I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it, well, maybe not definitely, but eventually you would get to some sort of like self-serve funnel or at least like an option for it, right? Like it's a it question depends. of when, I don't know. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess it sort of depends like who your target customer is going to be. One of the things we talk about all the time is the lessons we learned from Cardhook and how difficult it is to tell which lessons we should listen to and which lessons we should specifically go against what we learned. I feel it's, like it's the kind of thing that like could, as you just said, like it could trigger a bunch of other big projects. And this is exactly happening in my world too right now, where it's like, it's like, because we're, we're actually planning on, on ending our free plan and going to just a free trial. And a lot of other changes coming that are also going to require a complete overhaul to our onboarding flows. Um, and we're actually sort of, of going in the opposite direction where we're going to start introducing a, a sales demo and, okay. and handholding and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, in, in your case, it's like you switch to a self-serve. I know you're not doing it right now, but like, then you do need to work on an, on a new onboarding flow and, and you do need to work on emails that go out and what the team has to do for these users. And like, it, it's just like snowballs into all these new priorities that start to push off other other things, right? And like that, that's what I'm dealing with too. It's like, I'm working through like literally like 10 different projects and each one has like a dependency on another one. And it's just like, oh, it's just a right. chain reaction, you know? Right. So, so to open up a new project, you know, is dangerous and you know, it's going to cost you. And therefore, you know, it's right for the engineering and product teams to come back and say, convince us that that makes sense because you're going to push something aside. And everything that's already there has been established and labeled as important. <laughs> so of all like common advice that we hear in, in our world here, it's like, you know, raise your prices, open up self-serve, put on this sign up form on your website. That advice just comes like, like it's so quick and easy to, oh, how, how hard is it to just change a price in, in your Stripe plans? Like it is hard. It snowballs into multiple other decisions and projects, you know? Uh, it's one thing if it's like you're, it's the same model, you're just tweaking the the dollar amount. It's another thing if you're changing models from like a sales driven onboarding approach to a self-serve or a mix or, you know, a lot of big decisions that, and it's also like, which strategy are you going to commit to? Again, like these are things that cannot just be tested in a week. Maybe you can test like how many people click a button, but you still haven't tested like, well, what's the effectiveness of a salesperson nurturing that person for weeks on end or the effectiveness of this email campaign that goes to these self-serve people? Like you can't mm -hmm. test that stuff overnight, you know? Mm -hmm. I hope people in the company are as comfortable with like the chaos and schizophrenia that, that goes with it because I'm 100% fine with running this experiment and having a conversation the next minute with a potential salesperson to come on board as a new hire and know that that person's going to do a better job and be better off if we force a demo. And I have no, I have no problem with just holding. Both you mean the person on your, on your team would be better? Yeah. Off. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. absolutely. But it's like, it's almost like a lot of the stuff internally, we get caught up with ideas and assumptions and a lot of it, a lot of it doesn't matter nearly as much. And no one has a 
clue what the actual truth is out in the market. Our company right now, like it's so much of it is dictated by the lessons from Cardhook, right? One of the lessons of Cardhook was open up the free trial. And then that was overwhelming. And then we raised the price and then forced, you know, we allowed the free trial, but then you couldn't launch. And then it got to such a point where we had such strong product market fit that we shut that down entirely and forced the demo. Cool. So what do we do at Rally? First, first we we flip it. The reason we, we shut down free trials to begin with is because the product wasn't good enough at Carthook. It couldn't it couldn't handle what the merchants' needs were for the first year. So what do we do at Rally? We spent a lot of time on making the product amazing, <laughs> so that we had an amazing product where we didn't have customers. And then of course, where do we start with Rally? We start with you gotta have a demo. But that's how that's where we ended up after a bunch of lessons. That, that's not necessarily right. It's like a perfectly understandable set of decisions that you cannot assume are actually right just because they were right when you, you know, when you were over there. That's been the story of my last two years for sure. <laughs> Everything has been completely opposite of of what I've done before. And now I'm I'm sort of moving back to what worked before. It was oh like, my God. You know, oh my God. Different pricing, more, you know, a, a slower sales process, just, you know, get to it. Yeah. What, what feels dangerous though, I, like one of the very few like, like advice-y type blog posts that I've ever written was comparing startup life to a Rubik's cube. But the problem is you only have a certain number of moves and that's like how many months of money do you have in the bank? You can't just keep wasting moves. You, you can't just- This is what I want to ask you about, because this is what I was dealing with. I feel like I'm dealing with it all the time, but especially it came into focus for me this week. I, I talked about how I was distracted and a lot of it was like tech related, like getting pulled into the weeds. Like, how do you communicate to your team, like the priorities for the business right now, right? And it's so hard because like, there are things that like, I just can't expect my engineers to have the decision-making capacity that I have when it comes to what exactly is important to spend like stuff that like costs us time and costs us shipping speed, right? We do a lot of testing. We we are really thorough with that. We do a lot of scoping and shaping of features before we get into them. But still, I find that there are things, especially as we near the end of, of a big feature build, like we're coming near the end that's when I start to get restless. Like, okay, like we, we've basically built it. We just got to polish it up and get it out there. And, and cause I've already planned the next two big projects and I don't want to delay the, the start of those. Cause those are the most important for the business. We haven't even started them yet. This one we're basically done. So I can't spend this extra week or two polishing up every nook and cranny of, you know, especially like little things where it's like, I know from, a user experience standpoint, or like our customers' most frequent pathways through our app, that like not many people are going to touch this button over here. You know, this one that in, that involves like creating and sending a message, like that's super important. That has to be polished up. This one over there, you know, it's five percent of users are going to be using that on day one. You know, we don't need to spend two extra days making that absolutely perfect. Like, so like little things like that, it's like, I don't want to like tell my team like, Hey, go ahead and cut corners. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. This isn't that important. <laughs> right. But there are things where, where it's like, if it's me building the feature, 
Like I know exactly where not to cut the corners <laughs> or how to, how to reshape the scope a little bit to, you know, to serve the business better, but also like a higher level vision, like understanding where we are from a business. Like, again, we're, we're like in that, in that phase of trying to capture product market fit. And it, and it involves like hitting a bunch of these milestones. I don't know that my engineers are really on board on the same page with my understanding of all that and all the, all the data that I have in front of me. Um, they're just, you know, they're, they're really great developers. Um, they're, they're great to work with in our, in our workflow, but like, I don't do a good job of like communicating the higher level of, what phase are we in? What are the priorities right now? Let's use this to inform our day-to-day decisions, you know? Yeah, I, do, I don't know how necessary it is for everyone to have the same, you know, grasp of the vision in the market and where, where it wants to be in the positioning and where the product's going. I think everyone has their own style on that. I tend to over-explain it. In some ways, it helps me explain it and helps me just feel a little calmer that, you know, if I just say this every month at all hands and kind of take the time, then at least I feel better that they have a better understanding, even though I don't necessarily know that they have a better understanding. It's tricky. I don't think anyone ever really gets it quite the same way as the founder does. Where I struggle with that is at some point, the next feature does not feel like it's going to make a big difference. And at some point, you know, you have to get out and get attention for what you're doing becomes more important than another feature. At least, I mean, I'm definitely speaking for myself in in this situation. I've just come to terms with, okay, it is really important to get the product right. And I think we got the product right. You know, every once in a while you have like these conversations with whether it's a potential customer or a partner or someone in the industry or something, and you come away from that conversation like, okay, we're on the right path. This is the right product to build. Let's keep going. Where I've gotten to recently is that seems to not matter nearly as much as making sure more people know about your product. That's a tough one because it takes a lot of the control out of your hands in some ways. You know what it does? It doesn't take the control. It changes the nature of that control. Because if it's about the product and it's about the features, you look inward and you have an impact on what's being built and how it's being built. That's like real direct control. This is starting to tell us pretty clearly that that's really cool that you're going to build this amazing thing, exactly what the market wants, blah, blah, blah. But you, you got to go get distribution and you got to go get attention and you got to get out and run experiments in that direction, not inward facing. I think for a long time, I, I really wanted it to feel like it did a card hook where we got the product right, the market got it and told each other and they all came running. That was cool. My conclusion is that's not the nature of this experience at this time. Yeah. What are you doing on the marketing side now? I mean, how, how is that changing week to week? And how do you manage that? Like we sort of have a good, sense of like what a product sprint and a product roadmap push looks like, but like, what are we pushing on, on marketing side? Like, how are you tracking what's going on? How are you planning what the focus is and which projects you're taking on and which ones you're not right now? Like, how do you think about all that? So, so a a lot of it 
I see as very necessary to empower other people. And then, and then other parts of it, I, I should really be pushing on. So like Elizabeth, our, our director of marketing, like I just check in with her. We have one, once a week on Monday, right? It's almost like very important to me to make sure that she knows that Monday morning she and I meet for a while as like, this is literally the most important thing to me. That's why we talk on Monday morning. And then she knows she just like kind of, you know, we talk, we talk every day, but that Monday morning is what are we doing? And then I have confidence in her ability to execute on it. So that is someone talented and smart focused on it. And that's just not directly related to me. And then every once in a while, it comes back and touches me. So she went out and hired an SEO company and reports back. And now I know SEO is happening. Mm -hmm. She went out. And you're not getting in the weeds at all in terms of SEO. No, I don't even know. I've never talked to the SEO agency. I got got the uh, recommendation from a listener, Ruben, shout out. Thank you. She hired a PR agency. And then they'll come back to me and say, Jordan, we got you an article in NASDAQ. Tell us your thoughts on AI and e-commerce and we'll write up the article. We'll get it published in NASDAQ. And I'm like, hell yes. So, right, I didn't do that. I didn't, my energy did not do that. It's really just resources and someone else's energy. So that's great, but that is not everything. So, right, commerce tools are next, like our enterprise. That's like the engineering team. And I try to unblock stuff for them by like reaching out and making sure we get sandbox accounts and whatever else. And then it is hire a biz dev uh, person that hopefully is starting in a few weeks. And he goes out and makes friends with all the commerce tools, SIs and agencies and everything else. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's going to unfold over a few months, but that's going to start to roll. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you bring them on and it's like, okay, like here's, here's the goal. Here's your function in the company. Can you give me like your game plan, your, your roadmap and, and then go do it. Right. Like, and like here's mine. He's, he's coming up with with all the strategies and all the execution. Yeah, and, it, and that's yeah, and that's like a living thing, right? It comes back and hey, this isn't working, hey, this is working. Right now we have someone doing sales and their first few experiments didn't work. And so we kept adjusting and adjusting and then this morning he pinged me, all right, got two demos, right? And that that's 2 days after starting the newest campaign that we had changed a bunch of stuff. Like, okay. Now hopefully that that means this will start to work better. And then where I'm putting my personal attention is I, I wrote about this on Twitter. The best uh, word for it is a marketing activation. Now, I personally think that term is, you know, a synonym for bullshit. You know, I don't, I don't talk that way, but, but it is the best way to describe what we're doing, where we're looking at these miniature campaigns. And right, so that's what an activation is, right? It's like a, a focus campaign. It's not forever. It's not like, it's not like your paid ads. It's like one thing that you focus on, you launch, you get out there and, and, then you keep going. So that is what I'm focused on because I think that has a lot of potential to impact everything else in the company. So I'm, what, I'm not totally clear on what you mean by activation. Like sure, who, sure. You mean like marketing leads, like they, they become act or, or the no, project itself is active. No, activation as in like a, like a campaign. And what I mean by that is we are building a site with Next.js on the front end. Oh, this, okay. So you're yep, building like yep. an example... Exactly uh, right. Like, yeah. Exactly right. So this is Next.js on the front end, and then Rally as the checkout, and then Swell on the back end. It's got some cool design, and then building that requires. It doesn't require my attention. It is just helped along significantly. If I'm like 
Chris, I want to hire you. Send me an invoice for X amount of money, and you're gonna you're gonna take the design and build it. Zach, you go do the design. Let's get it done by the end of the week. And th that's what I mean by like that focus, like sitting at the desk and being like ping here, ping her, uh, ping this person, ping that person, and move it forward. And then Rock, we need a new Swell account. Rock, we need a new Rally account. Give it to this person. Create a Rally email for them so that they can sign up for stuff on their own. So that you know is a few weeks, and then it'll launch. And then we can turn it into content and then we can send it out as, as examples and we can reach out to Next.js agencies and say, hey, come check out how we built this site while everything else needs to go on with the PR and the SEO and the marketing and the, and the sales. So it's, you could really see how if you make a bad hire, one of those things just falls apart entirely and, and then your whole like chessboard starts to collapse. One of the things that's, that's on my mind marketing-wise right now and what you're describing here of having these amazing people on your team that you can just go to and and bring on board and they just own a whole arm of your marketing engine, you know, I don't have that, right? Like I have a couple of contractors, SEO, writers, um, a VA and, and a designer that I work with on projects. So like things happen and I'm, and I'm working on them, but like as I talked about, like my focus is constantly broken apart in different places. I'm on the product and then I jump into this SEO keyword research spreadsheet and then I'm back on the product and then I'm this and that. But like one of the big challenges is that like I almost find it impossible um, to bring someone on board to take that level of full ownership of something. And, and impossible is the wrong word because it totally is possible. I just haven't figured it out yet. But, you know, I do have resource constraints in terms of cash and team you know, availability and all that. But what I do want to get better at, and there's an assistant that I've been working with for uh, a little bit for like the past year, and she's really great. And I, I need to develop her to a, to a higher level, I think, because like every marketing project that we do, I am absolutely the bottleneck on it's, as you said, like it's activation. It doesn't happen unless I drive it and manage it and put my input on the strategy and the messaging and the focus and how does this tie into our funnel and how does this tie into our product and this special thing that you can do with our product and oh, we have this feature over here that we wanna sort of highlight and work that into this piece of content or, or we're doing customer case studies and interviews, let's go interview these 10 people that, I, that I've been talking to. So like, I'm like the lead dependent person like stuff just does not happen unless i am putting active creative energy into the marketing projects even when i hire people like yeah i'm, I'm probably not going to be the one writing our articles or spending hours in hrefs and and doing spreadsheets i i usually outsource that stuff but it still comes back to me and i still need to go through the sheet and say like these 10 topics are make the most sense and we need to angle them in this or that way like it still requires my my effort. So I need to develop someone else to have that sort of just familiarity with our product and our best use cases and like the customer stories, you know? And so I'm, I'm really trying to like rebuild from the ground up this role for this person, which involves like, all right, there, there are always these tasks. There's like social media tasks and podcast interviewing tasks and stuff like that where, where, where you're just embedded in with our customers. But how do we take that 
so that, that over time you can sort of like elevate and like really remove me from this like creative decision-making. And I just know that like somebody who really knows our product and our positioning and our use cases can give that like input and it doesn't have to be me all the time, you know? But like the caveat is like without going and hiring a head of marketing, <laughs> you know, like how do you, how do you develop processes for this? You know? Yeah. You probably try to do fewer things, right. And, and instead of trying to get spread too thin and what we call that is, is T-ball. I end up talking about that a lot because the, like the absolute ideal is that everything gets done. The ball gets placed on the tee you walk up, hit the ball and walk away. So meaning, meaning you give your input only on the part that's absolutely necessary, that only you can give your input and everything else before it and after it is taken care of in one way or another by someone else. The less capable, the less trust, the less knowledge the people around you have, the more involved you are in the process leading up to the, you know, here's the. I think the it's like operationally. Like Operations and processes have, have usually been my strong point in, in most of my previous businesses. But like in a SaaS, I find it much more difficult. That will be the ideal. Like you say, like the T-ball concept where it's like, I'm just, you know, yeah, I'll hop on a call or I'll send a zip message async, like to give you the, the, the key nuggets of insight here. And then you, and that's generally how I work with people is is, you know, I, I do send them a, a 10 minute video to give you the most important knowledge. Now go off and work on that and come back to me. Right. But like, but I don't have it like operationalized where it's like, it's just happening all the time. And I still need to like spearhead every new project. And Are you being too precious and you want to control and make everything perfect? Or is it just a matter of like, no, I don't have someone that does that. I, I need to do it real quick or I, need to do it. you know, if I'm honest, I'm sure there's some of that, but if I'm also honest, like there's results that we have not seen yet. And I think part of it is not that I haven't worked with really talented people, but I haven't figured out the processes where I can let these really talented people do their thing, but we still end up with results that have the right messaging that still reach the right people. That puzzle has not come together yet. You know, we have some marketing wins that, that happen throughout the year, but it's like, Right now, you know, we're in this phase where, where we're, you know, designing a whole new website, which is going to have a whole new content strategy and starting to ramp up into a, into a whole new sales process. So like a lot of, a lot of pieces that need to get built out, a lot, a lot of new operations that need to be figured out, you know, <laughs> so too much to work on all the same uh -huh, time. Uh -huh. I feel you. And really just, just want the results. Just want people totally, signing totally, up. Totally. Yeah. Man. And I'm still in this phase right now where it's like, we're in this holding pattern until we launch X, Y, and Z. You're in hell. You should kind of acknowledge that you're in a very frustrating, the nature of where you are right now is frustrating because you kind of have to just wait and software takes forever. So that waiting period is extended torture. It really is. Like, it really feels like that because it's like, I, I'm not working as calmly as I normally do right now. In, in these in these current months, I am in like a hustle mode and it does not feel great. <laughs> I love the actual work. I love working on the product, love talking to customers. There's an extra level of pressure right now that I don't love. And, and it's like a time and output pressure that's like, we're not moving fast enough. 
we have we have stuff on the horizon that's coming out but and and it's like the business metrics and the sales and and, and all that like i feel like they're gonna hit a restart button pretty soon and we just got to get there you know and it's like 10 different projects that that's depending on Oh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I wish I could put put that through the AI machine and just have. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Oh man. Well, there's nothing to do but but keep going. That's right. Well, yep. yep we're yep, gonna yep. get into this weekend, and I'll try to take a little breather. And uh, happy birthday to you, buddy! Thank have you a good very time much. On the slopes. I... <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That'll be good. Taking Monday off. Everyone has a good long weekend. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We did it. Later.